I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Why are you here? I love it here. <laughs> I love having you here. That's great. Why do you love? Oh, good. Make this into a roundtable discussion. I like that. It's more rhetorical. Why are you here? All right? Because there is a reason. Some of you have them ready to go. That's great. But there is a reason for each one of us. You've got a reason for everything that you do ever, always. You have a reason. So really think about it. What ultimately today drove you here even though couches and football and snacks exist? <laughs> those were options. You had those. Whatever that reason is, it must have been pretty good to beat out those things. And as Christians, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that God must have been behind that reason somewhere, right? But I looked. I got out the Bible. I looked, and I could not find the verse that says November 14th, Burlington, his place church, thou shalt be there. It is not in the Bible. So why did you do it? Why are you here? Okay, well, hold on. Last week, if you recall, Bruce pointed out that uh, Jesus didn't give us a comprehensive list of do's and don'ts. He doesn't have the November 14th one on there. But instead, to guide us, he gave us something else. He gave us something worse. He gave us a set of principles, right? And the reason, and these principles are worse. We called them worse last week because these principles apply to every human situation across all time and all space forever. And they create themselves, these principles, they create an infinite list of do's and don'ts. Because, hear this, principles are the foundational, non-negotiable truths that we build our beliefs and behaviors on through reasoning. Okay? Now that sounds a little bit more complicated than it is, right? Because that's a lot of mumbo-jumbo. But we use them all the time. We all have principles that we use that we build our beliefs and our behaviors on. And probably my favorite example to explain really simply how they work and how you live out a principle comes from the wisdom of Dwight Schrute. So <laughs> I don't know if you've watched The Office, but Dwight Schrute has this wonderful principle that he lives by. He says, whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? <laughs> And if they would, I do not do that thing. <laughs> simple, right? Laughably simple, but infinitely applicable. That's how principles work. That you can do anytime, anywhere. And so this works with everything. Paul pointed out the principle that was at play right before this big do and don't discussion that we've been reading through in Romans like 13 through 15, where we've kind of been for the last several weeks. He gives you this principle uh, regarding how to handle weaker believers on all these disputable matters. A chapter earlier in 13, he says, okay, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other shall not, do not command there may be. Well, they're summed up in this one principle, command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's the principle. And from that very simple principle, the next chapter, 14, 
reasons out this whole list of the subsequent do's and don'ts for our beliefs and behaviors. I'm gonna give you some highlights. We've been reading through them for the last couple weeks. Here's some of these ones. Think of them now as do and don't lists. Do accept the one whose faith is weak. Do be fully convinced. Do not judge one another anymore. <laughs> you could do it back then. Uh, do not not judge. There's a lot of that in the Bible. It gets no, that's <clears throat> some foolish error. Anyway, <laughs> do not pay attention to what I put on the screen. Uh, do not judge one another anymore. Do not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in, a, in our brother's way, right? We talked about that last week. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. That seems kind of obvious. Do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. Do make every effort to do what leads to peace, and do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. It's a lot of those, right? But he's just unpacking this one thing. But these do's and don'ts, this whole list of do's and don'ts, they do not take the place of principles. They're not to replace them. These are examples of the more specific beliefs and behaviors that were contained within principles. Like the one from the chapter before, love them. Well, this is what we do. And then you unpack them with reasoning. Love your neighbor, okay, I get it. That's what I'm supposed to do, that's my principle. And then I probably shouldn't destroy them with dinner. That makes sense, right? And I should accept them and I should try and make peace. That's reasonable to think based on that principle. Okay, but do or do not rules without a reason, unfortunately they exist. There's a lot of them. I used to fight them all the time when I was a teenager, but a do or do not rule without a reason is incomplete, right? And it's vulnerable to corrupting its principal intention. Because a rule without a principle is legalism. That's what it is. And it's literally unreasonable. Doesn't make sense. You know why Paul, why Paul himself wrote chapter 14? He was a Pharisee. As a former Pharisee, he intimately understood the allure of legalism. It's how he made his money, so to speak. It's what kept them in business. Because that way you can deliberately, you can deliberately keep your convicting conscience out of your judgment by measuring your heart with the limited letter of the law instead. Principle's difficult. It's a way easier to apply to every situation. But uh, it's like Bruce said last week. He said, uh, don't murder? Check. I'm doing pretty good. It's a good thing that they didn't ask me if I cut the guy's brake lines, though, right? Because that's the difference. And kids, kids are a great example of our sort of legalistic leaning, the way that we, we normally are. This is the way that we think about stuff. Because I want you to just stop first, if you have kids or if you know kids, or if you were a kid once, um, think of all those violated principles that those little lawyers stack up when they're, quote, following the rules still, right? You get like, just don't touch that. I didn't. I used a spoon. <laughs> and you're like, just, just hang on a second. And they're like, one 1,000, and then they go. Or they're like, eat your dinner, and they're like, I did, cupcakes are food. That works. That is legalism. Oh, and it drives you crazy. I see some of you looking at the, uh, you know. Some of the kids are, mm, what are you talking about? But Jesus, Jesus tried to teach the Pharisees 
and the children, and the Pharisees who are acting like children, and all of us, that the motives that drive our individually unique faith must be these dynamic principles instead of those legalistic laws, right? Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, there's a reason why we're loading these things in. You've got to know these. These are very big principles, and you got those? You're doing something right. Okay, because those principles right there that we just listed off, they can be applied individually, differently, individually applied to everything that we do, every single thing. And when you apply them, they reveal our reasons, the real reasons of your heart. Whereas old legalism just lists out the rules and the regulations without any purpose or intention or any of the motivations at all, period. It's just useless. Which is why legalism can't renew the heart. It has no effect on you whatsoever. It's just an empty checklist. It does nothing. And as one of the reasonable ones, one of the few people who got this message, Paul says, I got it. And then he tells us this, look, we have been released from the law. That's over and done. So that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. That's done with. Now, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. But... Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Those two things are set against each other, diametrically opposed. Principles of this world, principles of Christ. And a world according to humans and their principles prefers, we actually do, we prefer the legalistic lies and the empty gestures because they're really easy to manipulate. We can, we can conceal our true nature and we can avoid ever actually being vulnerable with those legalistic laws. That's really good. We can hide stuff. But that only delays the inevitable. We're not very bright. It just delays the inevitable because one day our conscience will lay everything out on the table and our big day of judgment. I didn't murder, you wanted to. That's what it'll say. And you're still guilty, it's the same thing. So if you'd like that day of judgment to be a better day, then we must, 100%, must walk in that new way and cultivate our own individual convictions according to Christ and our own individual conscience. And the only way to do that means a good, hard look at the real reasons behind our beliefs and behaviors. And it also means making ongoing adjustments as we mature in Christ. There's no way around it, this is how it is. Okay, and that right there, that is the point. That's the point that Paul is trying to get across and that he hopes will help diffuse disputes in this new Jew and Gentile church. I'm one way, I'm another, everything's. He's trying to just settle down everyone, look, we're on the same team. And so Paul recaps in this, right in the middle of this chapter that we've been talking about, he recaps, he says, okay, one person still building on, you know, old rules of law considers one day more sacred than another, okay? 
another over here, this group, now building on the principles of Christ considers every day alike. Got it? Okay. Well, each of them, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. But hang on a sec, Paul, hang on. What exactly should we be fully convinced of? This is where it gets a little bit tricky because that old tattletale, the conscience is just waiting, dying to spill your guts. Tell what you really thought, whatever that is. So should they both just be, both parties, should they just both be fully convinced that their reasoning is better? They have the better reasons. Or that they're smarter, they've, they've worked it out better. I've got, got it all figured out. Well, Paul continues, referring to these believers, both groups, believers. He says, well, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to the Lord. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to the Lord. For none of us, believers, lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whatever we do, whatever's going on, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord, you know, since we're all believers. Just can't, I mean, I feel like he's just driving that nail right into their forehead saying, come on, guys. We, them, us, everybody, we all need to be fully convinced that our reasons are sound, they make sense, and that our motives are pure, right? Again, this is one of those things that we hear things like this sometimes in church. We read it in a devotional, whatever it is, and it can slide right in, and you go, yep, oh, that's a truer words have never been spoken, and then you move on, and you just forget it immediately. We're taking a minute this morning to let this drive into you. Your motives need to be pure. Your reasons need to be sound. And that means you have to look at them. Because, and that's difficult, because we are, you know, self-centered, rule-bending babies. And so as such... We need to outsource that judgment. You're probably not the best judge of your motivations, honestly. You're really good at twisting them. Whatever it is, though, that I choose to eat or not eat, abstain from, whatever I choose to enjoy or whatever I choose to avoid or believe or reject, I must be non-negotiable. I must be fully convinced that I am expressing genuine trust obedience and gratitude to the Lord, all right? That's the key. And Paul himself even says that a few verses later after he's driving this whole thing, you know, right into him, he says, look, I am convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus. That's what makes me fully convinced. It's not like I, oh, Eureka, I figured it out. It's just via Jesus, the understanding through him. It's not about being right, finding that singular solution. It's about being right with God personally, individually. And being fully convinced that we personally, individually are in the Lord has this uh, another wonderful you know, uh, effect. It protects us from being taken captive by the convictions of other Christians which is good because you shouldn't be held hostage by my beliefs. Whatever I believe shouldn't necessarily affect you or change the way it can inform it, but it shouldn't necessarily change it. 
I'm absolutely, personally, myself, not supposed to fully convince myself that mine is the only way to honor God, only that it's the best way for me to do it. And if I do that, if we actually do that, that promotes this incredible thing. It's amazing. If you actually behave that way, it promotes this posture of sensitive humility for all of us. Can you imagine a church, a congregation, where everybody felt that good, this sensitive humility? They valued you. They didn't judge you. Oof. That's what we're building here. And this right here, this whole reason is why I can sincerely do something for God, right? I set out to do it for God. I'm doing something sincerely with all my heart. And you sincerely can do the exact opposite. And both of us have God's approval. That is bizarre. But it's comforting. It's good to know. Aren't you glad to? Aren't you glad that your rewards aren't based on what other believers think? I know I am. <laughs> I am very glad. I'm glad that it's God, because God's fair, he's just, he knows everything. And it's God who examines the heart and judges the motives according to Christ and conscience. That's a fair trial. I don't know if I'd get it with some of you guys on the jury. <laughs> but you get a fair trial right there, according to Christ and conscience. But so here's what I'm supposing today also. Here's, we, get a, we can peek at that anytime. We can go have a, a look at how that trial's going to go anytime. We can beat him to the punch because we, right now, can examine our lifestyle, we can examine our conversations, our distractions, and our habits. And right now, we can weed out whatever it is that we are not fully convinced brings God honor from a grateful heart. You can do that. And we should do that, because if we can't recount the good God-glorifying reasons for a belief or a behavior that we have, we should cut it out. Just be done with it. Or, if that's too tricky, let's just say it even simpler. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, for the glory of God. It doesn't get any shorter than that. That's a bracelet that I want for all of us, right there. That, is, that should be a bracelet. I tried it, I, we didn't have time. Maybe I'll get them. We need that. D-I-G-G. Does it glorify God? That right there is a simple theological Swiss army knife that just will always reveal your principal motives. It'll tell you right where you're at. What a diagnostic. Does it glorify God? Should I go to this movie? Well, D-I-G-G. Does it glorify God? Should I buy these pants? Does it, does it glorify God? Don't look at me. <laughs> These were God, they, no, they don't. I don't know. I, I, but you can think about it. There's a way. Should I apologize? Come on, guys. Does that glorify God? Right. But you can ask that question after anything, and you can get right on track real quick. It is such a beautifully simple principle that it's embarrassing that we struggle as much as we do. I don't know, what should I do? Ask that question. Look at your bracelet that I haven't made yet. <laughs> but, but try it out this week. Try it out this week. I mean, before anything that you do, ask yourself if it glorifies God. You will be so, so surprised at how righteous your behavior becomes, or could have become, <laughs> if you had listened to the answer. Does it glorify God? And then obey it. 
But wait, 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 wait. There's more because before he closes this chapter, Paul's got more what I'm going to call bracelet wisdom for us here. And this time it's for our beliefs, right? That was for what we do. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Well, he says, whatever you believe, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. K-I-T-Y. <laughs> keep it to yourself. Right? Paul acknowledges that the exact same, the very same faith that we have might look different in each believer's life. It often does, especially as we mature in our understanding, right? Like, look at your own walk. Look at the way that you behave and believe right now. Compare that 10 years ago. And, I mean, night and day, right? That guy was the worst. I would hate to be judged by this. Anyway, it's true. As you mature in your understanding, you're going to look so much different, and that can confuse others, others, brothers and sisters who are on the same journey. You remember how Peter spent years, years eating like an immature believer until God straightened him out? I like how Bruce said it last week. Oi, man, Peter, you drive me crazy. <laughs> Peter, 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 do not call anything impure that God has made clean. You're killing me, buddy. <laughs> you know? And I want you just to imagine church the very next Sunday, right? Peter's after, oh, whatever you do, don't eat impure things. And then he comes back and he goes, oh, we, we eat everything. We eat everything now. And they've got to be like, we eat everything now? Because Peter had a dream. Like, that's how, okay, all right. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm saying that that overnight 180 on things probably raised a few eyebrows in the congregation. And, and to, let me give you an example. You ever know somebody who's uh, like totally into some health kick after they read a single article? And like all, now they're an expert on everything. And suddenly they, they know everything about macros and workout splits. Oh, I can't believe you're doing legs back to back. That's ridiculous. I read an article one time 10 years ago. It's National Geographic. Anyway, and then after they read it, they tell you, they're like, I read this thing. And they tell you why your cardio routine is for chumps. That's ridiculous. That's so last month. And, and how like intermittent fasting won't work for you because of your low carb diet and the blood type that you have, you know? And then you know how like, you know how just how you think about how irritating that person is every time you step on the elliptical in my garage? Me, this is all about me, I can't help it. I'm sorry, this is true. But you just, you can't help it. You're just like, oh, I get it, I'm great. That's awesome that you figured that all out and solved the whole thing for you. That's wonderful. Well, it's kind of like that, only with a spiritual twist. Okay? Remember, that's not how it works. Unless God tells you otherwise, listening is usually a better witness than telling. Don't tell someone they're missing their macros and they have the wrong blood type for it. Listen, find out what they're into. Figure it out. Work with them. Sanctification is a process. Process. The Christian walk is a journey. It takes time. Many stages. And your progress, whatever progress you have in practice, can discourage those who are at an earlier stage. Believe it or not, I am working out still. <laughs> I'm working out in an effort to dunk a basketball because I made a foolish promise like a year and a half ago. I'm working on it very, very slowly. And I'm making these little incremental, like, hey, there's another centimeter. I have to go to centimeters. Inches are too big. But anyway... <laughs> I'm making this incremental, because that's how it works. It's, progress is progress. It's in our faith, right? Any progress is good. But I want to quit every stinking time Colin does it after like a good stretch and a snack. 
He's like, Mo is dunking hard, I'm tall and gorgeous. Anyway. <laughs> Freudian slip, I didn't know that I thought he was good looking. Anyway, anyway, okay. So, 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 moral of the story, if you've got growth, great. That is great, that's awesome, but be aware, your growth needs to be God-glorifying too. And that, that's a little tricky. Because there's two ways that we undermine our spiritual maturity that we gain. And the first way is we flaunt it. I like how the, the Living Bible translates verse 22. It says, don't flaunt your faith in front of others who might be hurt by it. It's funny. Because it is very tempting to label a Christian who is like more conservative than yourself as being a prude or ignorant. Oh, when will they learn? And then you can feel justified acting in ways that might upset or embarrass them. That's no good. That's going to slow them down. We can practice our more mature faith without parading it. You can do it in an inspiring way, a restrained, helpful way. Enjoy your freedom, but don't flaunt it in a way that could confuse or compromise a weaker believer, because that is a terrible, terrible witness. Nobody sees that and goes back and says, I want to be just like him. They say, whatever I'm going to do, it's not go to that guy's church. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and the second way that we undermine our mature faith is that we force it. We force it on people. The message paraphrases the same verse saying, cultivate your own relationship with God, but don't impose it on others. I ultimately, I want people to say that his place church is an army of encouragers. Preaching. Mm, that better be us. That's what we're aiming for. But that does not mean that we shouldn't instruct one another. No, that's what we're doing. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't have healthy discussions about differing views. That's a congregation. That's brothers and sisters. We're just not supposed to flaunt them or force them. That's it. It's kind of like what Bruce was talking about last week. There's no prohibition against teaching truth. That's not what we're saying. Don't ever mishear that. This is not compromising things to make people comfortable. Not by a million miles. We are teaching truth to the extent that someone can hear it. To the extent that they can take it. To the extent that it's attractive. Because truth is what liberates us from legalism and sets our conscience free. Period. We just have to make sure that our progress doesn't hinder anybody in any way if we can help it. Again, like Bruce said, just don't knock them out with that life ring while you're trying to save them. That's a deadly witness. No one to save afterward. And this, this goes for not doing what you think you should as well as doing what you think you shouldn't. Those are your boundaries, those are your guardrails. Not doing what you think you should, should not doing what you think you shouldn't. And Paul drives that whole point home by wrapping up this chapter with one more simple reminder. I'm just stumbling over because he feels, let me say it easier for you. He says, everything that does not come from faith is sin. Easy, got it? I got bracelets for everyone, he said, after that. If it doesn't come from, it, it's sin. That's how you know. There's your sin, your sin principle. And we know that, we've been talking about this now for several weeks, and I love this, this is a very necessary discussion that's gonna grow us together in unity in a time where it is really difficult because people are trying to pull each other apart. So we've been working through this, and so we know already, we've talked about this, that there are different do's and don'ts at the different stages 
of faith in each believer. But today, here's what I want. I want today, for today's twist on that, to just really sink in. I want you to just take a minute and I want you to think honestly, totally, whatever you are doing and whatever you are believing right now, know that you must be fully, 100%, totally convinced in your heart that it's for God. That's harder than it sounds. It's a very simple thing, but there's a lot of run everything that you got going on in your life through that, through that double check. We have, a, we have a little double check now that we can do, all right? Take your whole life, every piece of it, every relationship, every choice, every part of it, and run it through this simple double check. First, check your reason. D-I-G-G, does it glorify God? Why am I doing this? Does it, is it to the glory of God? Is that what I'm doing it for? And be honest. And then second, check your witness. K-I-T-Y, keep it to yourself. Should you be keeping this to yourself? Could this stumble another believer? Should I just keep it to, between me and the Lord? Those two guardrails will help you so much. But if that's still, if it's two, if two is too many, then we can make it simpler still and just use the Schrute principle, which goes like this. Whenever you're about to do something, think to yourself, does it glorify God? And if it doesn't, do not do that thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray, guys. Father God, we love you. Oh, we sure do love you. And we thank you. And we glorify you as the one and only principle that can guide each one of us back home to you. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you help us to hear how we should share the truth that is transforming us, how to share that in an attractive way without flaunting or forcing anything in anybody else. And Lord Jesus, encourage us as we make the difficult decision to leave our legalistic lives behind and commit to living our new and eternal life according to you alone. To that, everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.